So good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children ages two years old through second grade to make their way in that direction. Is that the direction to which I'm pointing? If you're new and you have children that age, I'll encourage you to follow them. We have a wonderful program for our children. As they're going, I also want to remind you of a very important aspect of our worship assembly, and that is the offering that we bring before God, and we make it possible for you to worship God in that way in four ways. You can mail a check to the church address. You can give an automatic draft through your bank. You can go online to our website. There's a little box there. You can click on that box, follow the easy instructions, or if you're here uh, in the auditorium, you can drop your contribution off at the table there on the way out. And if you're not here in person, it just means the world to us. It really does. We're honored that those of you uh, that are live streaming this, Bill and Francie, we know you guys are watching on, probably Robin and Bill also in the hospital. Uh, we love you guys and are delighted to have you here. Let's, let's say a prayer for our offering before we go into our passage today. Father, you have been so good to us as we've been singing just beyond, above and beyond what we need, and you shower us with your blessings in response to your goodness, Father. We bring the offerings that we have and expressed in various ways that we've given to you today. We pray that you will take them and that you will multiply them, Father, and use them for your eternal kingdom purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Under, under the umbrella, let's go back to this first slide. Under the umbrella of our vision, our mission of making disciples of all nations, our elders at the beginning of the year cast a vision for 2024. And the larger theme of that vision is the theme of growth. And you should have received a card. If you didn't, we're happy to give you some of these. They're actually on the table on the way out. Just as a kind of spelling out in more concrete detail what that vision looks like. I want to talk to you about an aspect of growth. Growth certainly encompasses many things, but I want us to look at it on the card as you see here indicated on the slide in the sense of outward. I want to talk to you about outward growth, specifically through evangelism. And I want to set the stage for that by reading to you a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to be start looking... We'll be looking in verses 1 through 4. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, which, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. So Paul says, I, 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 you've heard this before, but we need to have a reminder. We constantly, as humans, we need reminders because we so quickly forget things. And, and the crazy thing is we forget things that are important. And so in the spirit of a reminder, I'm going to tell you a story that for some of you is going to be a reminder because I told it about eight or nine years ago. I'm, I'm sure a good number of you forgot the story. Some of you are new here, so you've never heard the story. But if you have heard the story, then um, this will serve. As Paul said, I'm going to remind you of something that's really important. So this was 
some years before, I, two or three years before I came here, I'm driving down the interstate. It's early in the morning, and it's dark. Baton Rouge, outside of Baton Rouge, Interstate 10, on the way to New Orleans. And I'm on my way to meet with a couple of guys at one of my extension offices. And this one happened to be McDonald's. And so I was thinking to myself, uh, every time I go there, I always eat a bunch of junk food. So I need to eat healthy food. So I grabbed an apple in the house. I'm on my way to the, my, uh, my meeting with these guys. I'm eating an apple. I finished the apple, and I have left a core, an apple core. So I thought to myself, well, I'll just, my impulse is to throw it on the floor of the truck. It was an old truck I was driving. Or throw it on the car, on the seat of the car. But Karen had been, we'll say, encouraging me to not be so sloppy in my truck. And so I thought, I've got to do something correct with this apple core, but I didn't have a trash can, so what am I going to do with apple core? So I thought, I, I know what I'll do. It's biodegradable, and I'll just toss it out the window into the grass. That's, that's got to be legal. And so I'm driving my truck, and this will be a shock to some of you, but it was an older vehicle. That's not me usually. But I'm, <laughs> I'm driving this older truck, and so it doesn't have uh, electric windows. So I'm going to toss it out this window into the grass over here. Because it's biodegradable, it's an apple core, who really cares? But I thought, oh man, I'm going to be driving, you know, i got my foot on the accelerator. If I lean over here and roll that down, the car, the truck's going to waver, you know, I could get in a wreck. So I better not do that. So I thought to myself, I know what I'll do instead. I will take my driver's side window and I'll roll that down. And I'll take the apple core and I'll toss it over the roof. And it'll fly over there into the grassy area. Then I thought, well, if I do that, I'm driving a speed limit, but still driving. Uh, if, if I do that, then what's going to happen is the air from driving is going to catch that apple core. It's going to fall on the interstate. And that probably moves into littering. Not happening, okay? Trying to do what's right, okay? Give me credit for that. So I finally reached my decision. I'm in the right lane of the interstate. There's the left lane. There's a grassy median over there. I can drive with this hand. I can roll down the window and I can take that apple core and I can just toss it right over the lane. They have to throw it kind of hard, right? And it'll land on the grassy median. Done. So I thought, well, wait, wait, before you do that, I looked in the rear view mirror. In the rear view mirror, just see, are there any cars? It was early. Hardly anybody's out there. Way, 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 way back, there were lights of a car. But he was so far, he, she, whoever it was, I couldn't tell. They were so far back there, I'm thinking, um, I got time to throw it. There's no way. They'd have to be driving ridiculously fast to catch up to me. I'll have time to throw this out. As a matter of fact, they'll never see it. So I roll, they'll never see me what I've done. So I roll the window down. I toss the apple core across the street, across the lane, into the grassy median. Done. Roll up my window. But I had estim underestimated the speed of that car that was behind me on the left lane. Now, I didn't hit the car with my apple core. But evidently, I so concerned the driver of that car that he turned on his blue lights. <laughs> Something I hadn't noticed when I looked in my rearview mirror. So he pulled me over and thought, oh man, it's a big fine. You see these $500 fine for littering. I'm busted. Um, so he pulled me over. I got to talk fast. Got to talk fast. I said, oh, oh, you know what? Uh, I was throwing the apple core, but that's legal, you know, because it's biodegradable. And he said to me, no, it's not legal. You can't throw anything out of your car. He said, you can't even toss ice onto a parking lot, all right? But his problem wasn't that I had thrown something out of my car. His problem was the danger 
of me taking that apple core and throwing it across the lane where there's traffic. Oh, there's traffic. There's only one car. That was his concern. So I thought, oh man, I'm getting ready to have two tickets. One for littering and one for recklessness. I got to talk fast. And so this is when I shifted in to pure brilliance. <laughs> I, I promise you, I'm not making this up, all right? I said to the officer, I said, well, officer, as far as that being dangerous, when I looked in the rearview mirror and I saw how far back that car was, I realized it was not dangerous because that car could not have been speeding so fast to have caught up with me. So that's brilliant. Here's a guy getting ready to get me two tickets and I'm turning the table on this guy, blaming him for speeding. And I guess I was thinking that he's going to go, oh, you know what? I'm in the wrong. I, I'm so sorry. I should have never pulled you over. But um, he didn't say that. <laughs> so I learned a lesson that day. It's a lesson that we in the church need to be reminded of that Paul is explaining to the Christians here in the church in Corinth. They had lost sight of. They had forgotten. Or you could say they had thrown out or were throwing out the core. And in this context, by core, I'm referring to that which is foundational to their faith. That which is fundamental. Or as Paul says here in verse 3, that which is of first importance. The core is huge. Because it's just like with an apple core, that's where the seeds, we're talking about growth in 2024, that's where the growth comes, the seeds of growth for an individual Christian, for a church, for the transformation of a life of an individual who comes to know Jesus. And here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul identifies this core as the gospel. Now, kids who are taking notes, there's a question on your notes that doesn't have the answer on the slides. Here come the answers, okay? When we talk about the word, the gospel, it can have a, nuances of its meaning. The literal meaning of the gospel is good news, but then you can go to this broader meaning of the gospel, and that's basically the story of Jesus, or we call the gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they're telling the story of Jesus. But when Paul says, I'm going to remind you of that which is of first importance, he drives deep into the core, and he identifies the core of the gospel as the death and the burial of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the church in Corinth, this had become or was becoming lost. And I think it's for two reasons. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians, these Christians in this church, there was tons of drama. You got people in a church, you're going to have drama. They had it in, in the church in Corinth. There was a lot of drama. And then added to that, there was a, there was a focus that they were giving to the influence, the worldly influence of their culture. And it was creeping into their lives and creeping into the church. And so with these distractions of their church drama, with these distractions of their focus of the worldly influence in their culture, they needed a reminder of that which they were losing sight of, that which is of first importance, the gospel. Sure, the issues of their drama and their culture that needed to be addressed, and Paul addresses it. The, most of the letter is dealing with that. 
but of first importance. They could not lose sight of the gospel. Because you may solve all of the drama in the church. You may say, solve all of the issues in your culture. But if people are not being saved by the gospel, what have we gained? You see, Paul says the gospel, all of these things that we have to deal with as Christians in our church and the community, they're important. But nothing is important. This is all the way up to of first importance because it is by the gospel, he says, that we are saved. So the question is, well, what does it mean to be saved? In a simplistic definition, we can say to be saved means to be rescued from danger. But also in the Bible or the church language, to be saved is, is the opposite of being lost. And so it's clear in Scripture, every single person in this room falls, or every single person in this world and in this room falls under one of two categories, lost or saved. Biblically speaking, which are you? And what is deeply concerning is that this truth of the gospel connected with the truths of, of being lost or saved is becoming a forgotten truth in churches among Christians. We need a reminder of the core foundation of our faith of the gospel because the gospel is the difference of whether one is lost or saved. Now, in your life groups, you can talk about this more, but I'll share with you four answers, and you probably have ten more. There's many reasons why the truth of the gospel has become lost. I'll give you four. First of all, I think it's through distractions. I think very much like the church in Corinth, we can get so caught up in the drama of what's going on in church. We can get so caught up in the drama or the influence of the world that is just so drawing us in that somehow the gospel just gets tossed out and lost. It could be distractions. I think another, another reason that the gospel can become lost is due to fear. Fear is, is a factor. As a matter of fact, we're going to get back to Joshua eventually on the theme of fearless. But here it's, it's kind of like the sense of PTSD. There's something that it's from our past. Some of us have, have fear and memories of those fire and brimstone people that just seem to be so harsh felt like they were being so unloving that I don't want to be anything like that. And so we have a fear so much of being like that that we just totally eliminate any conversations about the gospel. We're so afraid of coming across wrong, so afraid of turning someone off spiritually that no efforts are made to spiritually turn them on. I think thirdly, we can also lose sight of the truth of the gospel due to what I call subjectivity, the subjective nature of the world that we live in, and, 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 and it has crept into our church world. By subjective nature, I mean lacking in objectivity, and by saying lacking in objectivity, it means concrete values are missing so much in our culture. What is true and what is false missing what is what is right and wrong a sense of right and wrong has become lost and so this idea of lost and saved 
has disappeared in our subjective nature of our culture. There is a tolerance for whatever, a truth that is subjective that is basically varies from individual to individual with no guiding standard. The only thing that is wrong is to say that someone is wrong. And so from this subjective nature of their world, there's a growing popular religious trend called universalism. That's a belief that in the end, everybody's going to be saved. Everybody's okay because there's no lost or saved. There's only saved. And that's really pleasurable. That's really tempting. It's very unbiblical. But in such a subjective culture, the gospel gets tossed out the window because nobody needs it because no one's lost. And then fourthly, I think... The gospel in the lives of Christians of the church has become lost because the gospel has been redefined only or exclusively as a social gospel. And I'm guessing we could define social gospel in many ways, so I'm just going to tell you how I'm defining it for the sake of this conversation. It is a gospel that focuses only on meeting people's physical needs but does not address their spiritual needs. It is a a social gospel that has as its aim to make people's lives better here on this earth. And so a Christianity, it seems, that has evolved that being a Christian in this social gospel world is just, the key is just to be nice. Go to church, tithe, care for the poor, help people with their marriages, with their finances, with their parenting, address racism, deal with abortion. Let's make life better here on this earth. And sure, those things have to be dealt with. Paul wrote about them. As a matter of fact, if, if we ignore them, then we're uncaring. And sure, dealing with and caring for physical needs, it builds a bridge to spiritual needs. Both are at play. I think another factor, it's not on the screen here, but I think when you move from meeting physical needs, here's some food, and you transition to, let me talk to you about your spiritual needs. That's challenges. Courage. That's harder to do. Cowardice is a big reason why the gospel also has become lost. And we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're sharing the gospel because we're addressing physical needs. But if all we have done is to be nice to people, if all we have done is to meet their physical needs but not their spiritual needs, then there's just going to be a lot of well-fed, well-housed, healthy, well-clothed, financially-assisted people who are going to hell, who are lost, not saved. And Eddie, Eddie, maybe we have some guests here. You're going to say that? That's hard. That's so harsh. It's so unloving. Somebody should have told Jesus that. He spoke a lot about hell. And it would actually be unloving to say nothing of it. If we believe it's true. But that's what I'm really wondering Do you, do I, believe that's true? Or have we lost sight of it? Is it true that 
after a person dies, their physical body dies, but there's, there's this being, this soul, we'll say, that carries on after that. Is that true? And is it true, as the Bible seems to be very clear, that there's two existences, there's two places that the soul goes to, heaven or hell. The Bible uses those words, lost or saved. Do you believe that? I mean, really? Well, you got to. It's in the Bible. So then the next question is, well, all right, what do we mean by that? Who cares what we mean by that? All that matters is what does God in his word mean by that? And so in your life groups, I've given you a whole lot more than I should have. A lot of the verses that unpack these truths of the gospel and lost and saved, my recommendation is just pick the ones that, uh, of Jesus' words that are in the book of Matthew. That would probably be your, your, your best option to go with. I want to direct our attention to one passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 5 through 10. And I'm going to read this and, and it's, it's a little bit awkward reading because it's like in the middle of a conversation. It feels kind of weird to jump in the middle of a conversation. But you get in the conversation and he's going to describe lost and saved and he's going to show you how the gospel plays into all of that. First Corinthians, first the second, excuse me, Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 5 through 10. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. That you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well to us. Alright now lean in here. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know. He's going to identify two things here. Those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel. There's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. What is that saying? <laughs> what what is it? What does that mean? It's it's listen, it's gotta mean something. Do I believe it? And here's a challenge. The challenge is I think there's a lot of us we 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 know what that means, but we don't like it. And so in our discomfort with these truths, we just suppress it. We ignore it. It's not there. I don't want to pay attention to that. Or we reinterpret these truths to make them more palatable. In doing so, we have reduced, if not removed, the call to take the saving message of the gospel to the world because there's nothing for people to be saved from if we go that path. How am I to understand this passage that tells me that hearing and obeying the gospel is the difference between a person being lost or saved? And here's the thing. Well, that's not just one obscure verse hidden away in 2 Thessalonians. Man, it's just all over the place. 
For me to reinterpret that or to reject that is to reinterpret and reject the teachings of Jesus in all of Scripture. When we do that, what do we have left? So, do we believe this? I'm not asking if what I've said today, do you like this? Because I understand this is hard. There are no smiling faces right now. It's sobering, it's heavy, it's harsh and intense. That's why in the passage I read in 1 Corinthians 15 that you could literally define that word gospel as good news. You understand, the good news is only good news because the bad news is so dreadfully bad. This is why, yes, it's intense and it's harsh, but this is why Jesus came to the earth and face the intensity, the harshness, and the brutality of the cross. Because listen, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish. That's lost. God doesn't want that. But have eternal life. That's being saved. That's what God is after. In church, this is why he sends us to every home in our neighborhood, to all the world with the gospel of making disciples of all nations. That is our mission. But in order for us to be compelled to share the good news of the gospel that others may be saved, we have to be driven by the reality of the bad news that people without Jesus are lost. And so I just send you home today with the question, do you believe that? Really? Do you live your life as though you believe it? I recently took Bill to his uh, PT appointment and, and in the waiting room there was, this, there was this magic marker sign and they had all kinds of little cool sayings there to cheer you up. And so they have one for the new year 2024 and the question is, well, uh, the second one down, what is something you want to do for someone this year? And one person wrote, I want to try to help unhomed people and those that need food, and that's important. Another person wrote, I want to put a smile on everyone's face, and that's important. And then the third person wrote, as you see on the screen there, I want to lead as many people to Christ as possible. So Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, that's of first importance. And as we, I know it's already February, but as we're looking into the new year, may that be our resolution for 2024. And if you say, Eddie, I get that, but man, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I got some fear. Over the next two Sundays, we're going to look further into Scripture to better equip us in our outward vision of 2024 to make disciples of all nations. So let me just ask you this question when is the last time, as a follower of Jesus, you shared the gospel with someone to lead them to salvation in Christ? In your life, is that of first importance? Or could it be 
that you've rolled down the window. Somehow it's become lost in your life. Because I was standing there, I was standing there on the interstate with that policeman. And I thought, oh man, he's, he's going he's gonna to get me two tickets. I'm going to be so broke. And he didn't. Maybe he felt bad for speeding, you know. <laughs> I don't know why. But that day I learned a lesson. I haven't forgotten it. I'm still talking about it. I've never thrown anything out of my car. Certainly not an apple car. And so I pray that the lesson I learned from this story will help us to remember a lesson of first importance. I pray that we'll leave with a vital reminder that will compel us in the mission that he's given us. I pray that the question will stay with us today. Do I really believe this? I mean, really. What if it's true, it really is. What does it mean? What does it mean for you in your life? Let's stand and pray and let's ask God to answer that. Lord Jesus, we have as Christians have made a decision to be disciples that means followers of yours and you came to this earth to seek and save the lost and I confess we confess that that purpose and that mission that you've given to us sometimes becomes lost in all the things that are going on in our church life in our family life in our individual lives we thank you that you came to this earth and gave your life for us as we remember through communion today May the truth of the gospel so burn in our hearts that you compel us to be ambassadors of the gospel. Father, take what we believe and renew that belief in us and show us even now in the quietness of this time in prayer what you're calling us to do, what in our own individual lives needs to change in order for us to follow you as you've called us to. I want to encourage you to, to reach out to someone as we offer up this final song in prayer. If you know someone that's going through a hard time and just needs you to come up to them and hold them and pray with them, I encourage you to do that. Or if you're that person and no one's coming up to you, I encourage you to reach out. We don't have as many of our shepherds here today, and so I would encourage all of us to just to be family in this time of prayer. Let's pray together. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.